Hello, everyone. Welcome to Teaching Matters. This program is produced in the studios of WOUB Public Media in Athens, Ohio. I'm your host, Scott Titsworth, Dean of the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. This podcast continues our special series discussing a recent trip by over 20 Ohio University students and faculty to Ecuador. The international place-based learning experience primarily focused on an epidemiological survey looking for infestations of the chachuro bug, which which transmits a parasitic infection to humans. Chagas disease typically manifests as a long-term illness, eventually leading to heart failure uh, for those who are infected. The disease is present in much of northern South America and extends northward to the southern United States. Although it receives less media attention than Zika and some other tropical diseases, Chagas has been a focal point for the Infectious and Tropical Disease Institute at Ohio University, which works in collaboration with the Pontificate Catholic University in Ecuador and other international universities to fight the disease. This summer's trip was my second trip to Ecuador to learn about the Healthy Living Initiative, which is the name given to the broad multi-university effort to fight Chagas disease. Across both experiences, I observed what I call catalysts of learning. What I mean by that is this. Leaders of the Healthy Living Initiative have created a fluid and evolving experience, providing powerful learning opportunities for all participants. Whether an established scientist doing work on a substantial grant or an undergraduate student gaining her first exposure to field work, everyone comes away with new understandings that have fundamental impacts on their identity. In short, the learning situation pulls you in. In this podcast, I want to unpack some of the observations I have on why I think this catalyst of learning is present in the Healthy Living Initiative. First, those involved in the Healthy Living Initiative have keen understandings of the importance of place. To them, Ecuador provides an unmatched assets for learning because of the significant biodiversity present in that country. Mario Grijalva describes the unique diversity of Ecuador in this way. Ecuador is a hotspot for biodiversity. You have the Andes Mountains that geographically separate the country in three distinct uh, regions. The coastal region, which is primarily tropical, where most of the population live. Then you, then you have the highlands that are uh, temperate. And then you have the Amazon basin, which is also tropical. There are the Galapagos Islands as well, which are part of Ecuador. But the biodiversity that exists here is, is quite unique. And not only unique in terms of the species of mammals and plants, or insects that you can find, or birds, but also in the uh, disease-causing organisms. You have a plethora of bacterial species, a plethora of viruses, or protozoans, of uh, helminths that exist here and also share that biodiversity, because as well as their their larger uh, animal counterparts, they have had to adapt with the changing geographical conditions. So. Having a facility like this can take advantage of the fact that everything is close by. You can be within two and a half hours in the tropics, uh, in the deep tropics, or you can be in the glacial uh, of the Andes Mountains, or you can be in the Amazon Basin. Secondly, this part of South America shares a lot. Northern South America uh, is a continuum of ecosystems that go from uh, Uh, Bolivia to Peru to uh, uh, Ecuador, Colombia and Venezuela and those areas have also a cultural identity that is very similar. So research that happens 
in this facility is meant to have an impact at the regional level, not only in Ecuador. Grijalva is the director of the Infectious and Tropical Disease Institute at Ohio University and is one of the driving forces behind the Healthy Living Initiative. In another interview, this one with Esteban Baus, who's the dean of the Faculty of Natural and Exact Sciences at Ecuador's Catholic University, Baus noted that the biodiversity of Ecuador provides an important opportunity for studying nature through science, creative documentaries, and other multidisciplinary approaches. Uh, we are the biodiversity uh, uh, places in the world, and why not? And we don't have that, and we need to do that. Mm -hmm. This country needs to have a filmmaking program, mm -hmm. uh, a conservation. Especially one that focuses on its national assets, right? You know, I mean. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. And we have the Yasuni Research Station, we have a bunch of regions here. Uh, uh, you drive one hour uh, and you have a different ecosystem. And if you, are, you walk two meters, if we think in a macro context or a micro context, you walk one step and you will find a bunch of species mm -hmm. that you've never seen in different uh, environment. The second driving force of catalytic learning is infrastructure and logistical support. Leaders of the Healthy Living Initiative have aggressively pursued tangible support for the project, including constructing the Center for Research on Health in Latin America, or what's called CICIAL for short. It's a large research facility supporting basic scientific research related to various health-related issues in South America, including Chagas disease. The 100,000-plus square foot facility has six floors, with a large central atrium running the length of, the near, of nearly the entire structure. As you walk in the main door and look through the atrium from one end of the rectangular structure to the other, it has the feel of about one and a half football fields in length. On the left side of the atrium are administrative offices, meeting rooms, and other logistical spaces. Across the atrium, running nearly the length of the building, there are, I guess, what you would call walkway bridges that goes from the administrative side to the right side. On that right side, on most floors, are various types of research labs and other research support facilities. Mario Grijalva, who you have met in previous podcasts and I've already heard today in this podcast, is one of the leading forces behind the construction of the facility. As an undergraduate alumnus of the Pontificate Catholic University in Ecuador and a PhD alumnus of Ohio University and current faculty member at Ohio University's College of Osteopathic Medicine, Mario has been a key boundary spanner in the development of the Healthy Living Initiative program and the CICIAL complex specifically. Mario gave a tour of the CICIAL facility to the Ohio delegation and explained the multi-year process through which the facility was created. The center started in 1999 as a laboratory. It was funded by the 1804 uh, fund of Ohio University in collaboration with Catholic University and in 2000 both universities signed this agreement for the establishment of a permanent site. So the the laboratory then uh, continued working, we started getting uh, grants, uh, publishing and so on and so forth, and it grew into a center. And uh, the center then continued to expand, we had a small lab, then a large lab, then the whole floor, then we started uh, metastasizing into the next floor, and uh, 
it got to the point where we had so many people that we occupied every possible inch of available space. So in 2008, uh, Catholic University agreed to uh, start the, the, the planning for a new facility and we started working and the first uh, construction started in 2011. And uh, at the time, uh, Catholic University was interested in uh, using this land they have here, it's 140 acres of uh, forest basically, and they wanted to start their new campus. So this was the first uh, real building of the new campus. And uh, it went through many, many years of planning and modifications and so on and so forth until it is what it is right now, right? Uh, the building was uh, dedicated uh, exactly two years ago in uh, June the 15th, the 16th, in June the 16th. With BioLevel's two and three security labs and what is thought to be the largest specifically designed insectary in South America, the Sisial facility is a significant resource that brings together research teams tackling multiple health issues. Although the Sisial facility is only two years old, in fact, our visit to the facility allowed us to take part in the two-year anniversary celebration of its opening, the progress has indeed been notable in those two years. As Grijalva described that progress, he made special note of the logistical and operational support provided by the facility to faculty and students working on the health-related research generally and the Healthy Living Initiative specifically. In these two years that CCL has been uh, functioning in the new campus of Nayon, there has been great progress, uh, I think. I mean, part of the progress is quantifiable, so the number of publications that are being produced, the number of grants that we are getting is increasing, uh, the number of students that we can train uh, and, and have gone through here, uh, it's also increasing. But I think that one of the most important advances have been the growth on the internal processes that allow a facility like this to really uh, function. And that is difficult because we are trying to change the framework uh, that exists in the country uh, to a framework that allows for high productivity of research that can help people. Although Mario is not the only researcher working at the facility, there are many others. He is clearly a driving force behind its development, growth, and vision. I asked Mario about his thoughts surrounding the development of a productive teaching and learning culture within the facility. This is particularly important as there are multiple research teams working alongside one another, but on distinct projects, typically funded through highly heterogeneous sources. He explained the development of the culture in this way. The development that we have had um, here at CCL has been very organic. You know, it's not like one day we woke up and say, hey, let's put these hundred people together and boom. But rather has been adding people, recruiting people, you know. And, and I think that the most powerful force is role modeling. You know, having uh, Ecuadorians and non-Ecuadorians realize their potential by looking at others that do the types of things that they could do and perhaps they have felt um, not able to do because they lack the way. So, you know, I am a big believer in uh, 
in uh, the power of envisioning and, and, and dreaming things and then envisioning and putting those, those, that creativity into practice and trying to role model in th that behavior and the, the, with the highest ethical standards, with compassion, with real genuine care for the people. The third catalyst for learning present in the Healthy Living Initiative is a strong, almost urgent orientation towards multidisciplinarity. What I mean by that is this. Although the leadership of the Healthy Living Initiative are by and large scientists, they have a keen awareness of the need to engage other types of teachers, researchers, and students in the project. Esteban Baus underscored the need for multiple perspectives by noting that Chagas disease is a complex problem that is linked to many social issues present in the villages. Uh, we started, started to do this because uh, we realized that when our first study of seroprevalence of Chagas disease, we identified 3.9% of the population are, are infected, you know? Okay, now what? So, okay, you pick your stuff and then go to the lab or to your office and forget about it? No. Uh, so we decided to, um, um, to do something else. And when, when we started to scratch the problem related to Chagas disease, it's very it's, um, frustrating because it's a poverty disease and, and you realize why. So they need to uh, we need to increase the family income, uh, otherwise they're going to be able to, to be worried about a Chagas disease that is going to be a problem in 20 years, yeah. you know? But if you just resolve that problem, you're going to uh, improve the quality of life of a lot of people. Not only because you are controlling Chagas disease, it's because you you will controlling be controlling a lot of diseases, mm -hmm. um, violence violence in family violence, um, uh, the family income, the peop the children want to have access to education. So it's uh, it's very complex. Um, so that's w that's why we we decided to uh, go beyond the boundaries of our own um, comfort or discipline and develop a team uh, more complex. Mm -hmm. Baus himself epitomizes such holistic thinking. As you learn more about his background, you will hear that his own progression as a scholar has taken unexpected turns that have led him to an inherently interdisciplinary approach to what he studies, which he recognizes as an asset in fighting Chagas disease. I am biologist as an undergrad, but also I, I did my uh, master's degree in social sciences. Mm -hmm. and Which is an interesting combination. Yeah, in yeah, yes. Uh, it was very interesting to, mm -hmm. to be in that program because I broke all my schemes uh, that sometimes, uh, well, biology, uh, on the traditional sciences, uh, when you study traditional sciences, the subject of that is being analyzed is um, it's 
uh, is isolated from the context. And that's why I like uh, this philosopher, Edgar Morin, he's from uh, Europe, uh, and he, he identified the, this uh, blindness of the intelligence. And he said that we need to, do this, uh, to see the subject wi within the context. And that's exactly what I learned mm -hmm. uh, when I, sciences. yeah, with social sciences. Uh, so now the multidisciplinary, the interdisciplinary are, um, it's, uh, everybody's talking about it. So, and Chagas disease, for instance, is one of the uh, examples of, mm -hmm. to solve or to control Chagas disease, you need a, a holistic approach from different disciplines. Such a holistic perspective has opened doors for students in my college. Over the several years, individual students have found their way to work in the Summer Healthy Living Initiative program. Last year, we formalized our relationship with the program and more explicitly recruited communication students to do multimedia storytelling and health communication research in the villages. Our relationship with Baus has been fruitful because he is a very accomplished photographer. In fact, in describing his background, he has noted how he has taken what was a hobby for him and turned it into an academic pursuit related to his work in biology, starting with his master's thesis, but now continuing with the other projects that he has. He's a very accomplished photographer who has mentored several of our students as they themselves have went into the field working on the Healthy Living Initiative or exploring the Yasuni National Park in, um, in Ecuador, which is a completely different part of the country, uh, taking pictures of different types of species and other things that can be found in a rainforest environment. As Baus explains, he sees the connection between science and communication as critical. I believe that our nature as um, the solution for everything, for all the problems, the human beings' problems um, around the world. Mm -hmm. So we, in biology, in biology, we have a lot of researchers currently, and um, as I said, a lot of opportunities for students, but all, not, not only for um, biology students, but also for journalists, for communicators who are interested to, to contribute with this um, uh, catalyzing process between the academia and uh, society. Mm -hmm. Because as I said, there is no uh, spontaneous communication. So we need to do something. Um, uh, so I think it's a, a great opportunity for communicators to come and see uh, what we are doing and how everything is connected with the other disciplines mm -hmm. and, and identify the why we are doing this and let the society know. In closing, I've witnessed personally the catalytic learning that takes place through work on the Healthy Living Initiative. Although my personal experience is with communication faculty and students, such catalysts are omnipresent and draw in students and faculty from other fields like education, nursing, political science, and others. Understanding the assets of place, building infrastructure, 
and emphasizing multidisciplinarity are likely not the only elements that catalyze learning, but for this project, they do seem to be pivotal. More importantly, they offer principles through which catalytic learning opportunities can be created in other locations, exploring other problems. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Teaching Matters. The topic covered here is a little bit more oriented towards research and the larger picture and landscape of a catalytic learning environment. Uh, and certainly what happens with a summer program in Ecuador is not something that can happen in every other location. However, I do think that if we explore deeply what we want catalytic learning opportunities to be, it will really capture many of these elements. The place is important. The infrastructure that you put into the project is essential. Uh, and also the idea of bringing in a holistic perspective that requires people from many different um, areas of thought and many different disciplines are all things that seem to me at least to be part of what this idea of catalytic learning is inherently going to be. I hope that you've enjoyed the series on Ecuador. We will probably have um, at least one more podcast where we try to bring some of the students, um, once they get back to campus, back into the studio and talk to them about, um, I guess, a little bit more long-term reflections on what it is that they've learned. Uh, but I do hope that uh, through the stories that you've heard about the Ecuador experience, you begin to see that, again, although these experiences took place in a country that's um, many miles away from uh, the United States, it's something that I think has principles under which can be replicated uh, anywhere to a fruitful um, experience for the students and the faculty involved. Thank you for listening to Teaching Matters. Please feel free to reach out to us on Facebook with other ideas or questions. Just go into Facebook and search for Teaching Matters Podcast. And once you find it, make sure that you like it and then send along questions, comments, or ideas for future podcast episodes. Our audio engineer is Adam Rich. I'm your host, Scott Titsworth. Thank you for listening and have a great day.